Have you ever felt silenced, like stranded from being able to say the thing you know you're meant to say, whether it's from past trauma or an actual person or a scenario, maybe it's just shame. If you know anything about my story, it's very correlated to this one. And I am so honored to be able to write the foreword to Melanie Wilson's book, her new book. In fact, you've got to get your hands on it. It's called Unsilenced. And there's this imagery of this woman with duct tape on her mouth. And it is so powerful. And I just think about the ministry that we get to do, that she gets to do, that we all get to do every single day by sharing our testimony. Melanie goes into the chasms of that dark place, those suicidal ideations, mental health, mindsets, limiting beliefs, all these pieces in this podcast, but you've got to get your hands on the book. It's so much richer than you could possibly imagine, and it is a season and a time that your vocal cords be released to the airwaves, my friend. We're so excited for you to tune into this show. Be sure to share us, tag us, get her book, all the things, all the show notes have all of it. And we would love, and I would be honored if you would leave a review about this conversation so that we can utilize it and showcase who you are a bit too, and that you're a loyal listener. I appreciate you so much. Melanie, you're a gem and you're fully unsilenced. And I cannot wait to see what our book tours look like in the coming years. It's going to be epic, and you guys don't want to miss a front row seat and an opportunity to actually have your own stage by vocalizing what it is that God's put inside of you. No one can hold you back, my friend. Truly, you're unsilenced. make you feel like I got a little teared up like this is real what he is able to fulfill when we choose obedience is just mind-blowing and that was just like bring it all to like it's real like I can taste it I can touch it it's it's here so it's so cool and I can't wait for everybody to understand who's listening what it is here means we're gonna get into it today and ultimately one of the two things and two words besides of course the title of your book um, that I can't wait to share with people is the break free and the flourish Right. Because it's very similar to my mission, which is to obliterate shame, which is ultimately that breaking and then to activate purpose, which is that flourish. There's this two piece puzzle that without one, you don't really get to live in the fullness of Christ. And without the other, you actually are living more in this space of religiosity and with pseudo freedom because, you know, you're going to heaven, but you feel like you're bound while here on earth. And so I love that you discovered that personally. And sadly, both of our testimonies share in the fact that that came through um, some suicide attempt, ideation, all of these pieces. But that was not how it started. There was a whole backstory. So you guys are going to hear the formal intro. If you're watching with us live, we're so pumped to be with you. Um, But you're going to hear through her story now a bit more about what her newest book is going to have enclosed in it. And I am so excited that I had the opportunity to just chat with you about it, bring it to life even more than I already did. But this is your work. This is your story. And it's for his glory. I'm so excited about it. Same. 
Same. It's such an honor to be on the other side of what was so dark, so heavy, so debilitating and feeling completely hopeless to a point where there's just so much light, so much struggles are still there. And I never want to take away from the truth that even when you do the work and you get to the other side, you're in the flourishing, you're in the, the breakthrough season that there are still struggles. And I think that's a common misconception with Christianity and um, just the belief in, in doing the work. It's a one and done kind of thing. And that's not the case. But what happens is exactly what I'm seeing. Here I am on the other side of it. When the struggles come, I'm wiser, I'm stronger, I'm equipped, I'm bold, I'm courageous, I'm confident, and I know where to go first. And I think that was the most significant revelation in my journey is knowing where to go first. Mm -hmm. And there were so many other things before him, whereas now it is him. Mm -hmm. And I have great support in other ways behind that. But first and foremost, I go to him. And that's been the biggest revelation for me in all of this. So, well, I love that you started there because I know that there are people are like, wah, 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 wah. Like they hear that and they're like, oh, you know, those Christians are just over there living a fake life. Right. And that is not the, that there's a huge variability to what that looks like. And fake and freedom are not the same. And so I want people to be able to unpack that a little bit more with like, where, where, and how did that revelation come to you? Did you see other people walking it out in a differentiating factor? And you're like, what am I missing? What do you have that I don't have understanding that we all have struggles and yet we've just healed. We've just had an instant of redemption. We've just had a, a, we were just at the altar crying last weekend and had this big breakthrough and then Monday morning happens, right? It's like, this is life. This is the human life. This is the fleshly life. Jesus walked this life. He performed miracles and then he was on a cross. He performed a healing and then he was badgered. He went out to go fast and be with the Lord and then he was tempted. So this isn't new, but a lot of people haven't understood this understanding. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, I think a huge thing that you hit on is, you know, Jesus came in and walked this journey. He became a human to take on all of the experiences, the challenges, the temptations, all of those things. And I think that makes it so real for us. And even though we cannot see him, having that faith in what he has done for us and because of his vulnerability, his willingness to come down and take on our burdens and pay the ultimate price for someone who is in a pit of darkness and there is no hope, there is no light to think that there was someone that walk the earth, experience the same types of things, sacrifice their life so that by his blood, I could be saved. By his blood, I could be wiped clean, that there is redemption, there is restoration, there is rejuvenation, there is forgiveness. And because of that, there was just a small glimpse of hope that I could reach my hand out and grab onto because of that, because we all believe in something. I mean, let's be honest. It's true. If you believe in Jesus, great. If you don't believe in Jesus, okay. But you believe in something. That's so good. And for me, there was always a relationship because I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school, but it was about fear. It was about being so far away. I couldn't touch that. I had done too much that I couldn't take it to him. I had to do all of these things. All of these conditions had to be fulfilled before grace would be extended before forgiveness was even a possibility. Mm. And I think that created this mental, emotional, and spiritual block for me that made it feel like I want to go to him, but because of my conditioning, my shaping, what I know to be true right now with what I have, that's not possible. So in the flesh, how can I bring resolution? How mm. I make this level, this depth of suffering disappear? How can I set my family free from the burden of having to figure me out? <laughs> Take and that's where the, the suicide went from a passive ideation to a active, here's a plan. This is what we're going to do. Mm. And it was in that moment that I really understood that 
he literally is right there in that pit. He is in the fire with me. And he's a keeper of promises. You know, I have Deuteronomy 31.6 tattooed on my bicep as a reminder. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Not when you feel like it or if you get up and you have a good hair day. (laughs) Which you do for those watching. Good hair day. All right. I already commented on it (laughs) pre-show. You did. You did. But he will never leave you or forsake you. And it took me getting to the end of myself, which is the evolution of a show rise woman getting to the end of herself, there's nothing left and you've got to fully surrender. But where and how you surrender is what matters. And for me, it was at the feet of the cross and I laid it all out. I kept nothing to myself. And the funny thing is he knows. I mean, what are we hiding from him? Let's be real. What are we hiding? It's so true. But just having the opportunity to just drop to my knees, weep and lay it all out. And then all of a sudden it's like, it doesn't have that same kind of grip anymore Yeah, because now light is shining on it. And where light is, darkness has to recede and That's Jesus right. got is the flee. light. And I just grabbed a hold of that one mm-hmm. thread. And that was the thread that I needed yeah. for everything else to start to unfold. Mm. So. It's so rich. I think of like the hem of his garment, right? The yes. woman with the issue of the blood. It's like, for this long duration. And some of the things that you were struggling with just to be transparent about was this opioid addiction, depression, anxiety, PTSD. And so it was a lot like compounding, compounding, compounding. You actually said this wording, and I don't know if you intended to say it this way, but you said, here's what we're going to do when you were talking about what your plan of suicide was. And I immediately went, whoa, demon. I went, it was you alongside a demon. Like here, what, here's what we're going to do, right? I could yeah. just see like that demonic spirit, that darkness that, that was literally crawling with you alongside um, the planning of that because that's yeah. not of Christ. And everyone around you wasn't willing that to happen. There wasn't a, a, a hopefully a co-partner in <laughs> deciding that situation, right? Or it wouldn't be suicide. That'd be murder. Um, but thinking about that scenario, when you said that, it just dropped in my spirit like, whoa, so yeah. much of suicide is connected to demonic activity, the spiritual realm. And so here we are talking about this fleshly walk, but we have to remember that we fight not against flesh and blood, but up against the power and principalities of darkness. And this is the same exact darkness that Jesus was walking through nonstop. And yet light, he was the walking light. And so are we, we're literally children of the light. And so we get to be that city on a hill, but We have to go through some pretty dark chasms to get to that place and to recognize even when we are the light that we're not the perfect one, but we're pointing to the perfect one because that pedestal isn't fun either, right? And so I'd love to hear as you like kind of came out of that space, you had that moment of redemption that you held on to that light, that hope was instilled and you started to get clean. You started to come out to the other side of who God intended for you to be. And this, this emboldened identity, how were the people around you responding during that time? Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm glad that you, that, that actually grabbed a hold of your spirit in a way that you're like, Hey, let me bring attention to that. Because I remember at one point, when things were very ugly in that, that moment, it was just a season of, of darkness. And my husband told the counselor, he said, I looked at my wife and all I saw was darkness. Mm. It was just black. It was not my wife. And that's mm. when he said, this is spiritual warfare. Like your wife is not in control at this point. It is addiction. It is mental illness. It is the enemy who has got a hold of her so tightly that she can't find herself. So I think it's so important that, you know, I was talking about to a client about this this morning, who were your top three, who were the people that you can go to that will speak life over to you, that will notice when you're quiet, that will notice when you're struggling, that will be able to say, Hey, what's going on? You know, Hey, let's go to dinner and get drunk. Not your people struggling. I'm coming over with, you know, tissues and the ice cream that you love and my pajamas. And we're going to curl up and we're going to talk this through. That's your people, you know, um, Hey, God said this, obviously he's not showing up. Maybe you should try this. Not your people. Hey, God doesn't say you won't struggle. He says that in the midst of it, I will be right there with you. And on the other side of it is 
freedom and hope and joy and light and all of those things. Let's meditate on that. Let me pray. Over it. Let me just be in this space with you and help you feel his presence. Those are your people. And I think for so long, I was surrounded by people I thought were my people, but they were there to use and manipulate me. As long as I was doing and serving and there was a benefit to them, things were great. Yeah. But if I couldn't show up and meet those conditions of worth, then they didn't need me the same way. And that mm -hmm. used to infuriate my husband. And I used to process that and take it personal. He's angry yeah. at me. He's disgusted at me. He's disappointed with me. And that was a growing point in our marriage to understand. Um, but knowing who your people are, are really, really important. But surprisingly, the suicide attempt came after I had been in rehab. Wow. So, and I talk about this in the book, you know, rehab was supposed to be 30 days and I made it, I think five and was able to manipulate a counselor to get a hold of a phone, called my husband. I love you. I need you. This is not a good fit for me. I don't belong here. I'm not like these people. Oh my Nobody gosh. Thinks I've I belong heard this here. story so right? many times from people I love. <laughs> yeah. Just denial, deception, all of those things. And mm -hmm. the next day he was there to pick me up. So I now had this very scary space of nothing to take and having to feel these intense feelings. And then just the rush of shame and guilt and sin and trauma and everything just constantly bum rushing me and not knowing what to do with it. And, and my typical methods are no longer at my fingertips. And then I had to go have my elbow operated on. And there's a whole timeline of all of this, but because of the, the surgery, I had to have opioids again. And my husband spoke up. She cannot have these. You don't understand. And the surgeon was persistent. So nonetheless, I had the opioids not going well. It was a Sunday morning. I just kept, the only thing I remembered was saying, please take me to church to my husband, please take me to church. And so much pain that he was carrying too. And I looked over and I saw that bottle of pills and I thought, you know what? I can fix this. Yeah. I can totally fix this. If I'm not here, the common denominator, then everyone else gets to just be free. So it was a selfless act in my mind. The enemy convinced me this is the best decision. God's not coming through. You've tried the praying. You've tried the journaling and talking to him. He's not showing up. Here you are. Now, what was working for you? They've taken away from you. Just look, here's this. Everything made sense to me. And within seconds, everything changed. And fortunately, and this is just how good God is. Because of my opioid addiction, the Dilaudin that I took that could have killed a 600-pound man didn't even put me to sleep. Because I could build up such a tolerance. Whoa. And that suicide, Tamara, was also the pivotal moment where my husband gave his life to Christ. Wow. Would I go back and do it again? No. Would I change what has happened now? No, because there's so many beautiful things that have come out of it. Wow. And my family rallied. My husband and children rallied. And there was just so much love and support and just the, the commitment to seeing me get well and then having the right people to help me get well. Um, and my desire to find the wholeness and healing that was promised. And I knew that I wasn't too far gone because in that ER, you know, God said, look up child. And in that dark pit, I had a choice and I reached up and I grabbed his hand and he put me on solid ground and every day since then, I've been choosing to show up, dig in, and do the hard work to rise up in my life. But then I'm extending a hand for the woman who is behind me, who is where I once was, because I will never leave a woman behind if I can get my hands on her. Wow. It's so wild because I think of that own my own season during that. And I don't know how much of my story you knew before you invited me to be a part of the forward to this book, which we're talking a lot about right now. And we'll yeah. share the title and the subtitle and all of those things connected to your company, She'll Rise. But like, there's so many layers of connectivity with being a wife, with being a mom, um, feeling like the world was just caving in around you. And yet you had all these blessings around you. Yeah. Right. And 
this situation with me also led both of us to the feet of Jesus. And there's just, how does that work? It's like, God is that good is really the ultimate answer. And so to evangelize on the other side of that and to vocalize what happened and be so candid about it. I know this book, like mine was like, it's your first like, okay, world, here's what (laughs) happened. And so you've shared it in a lot of communities already, but a book is a whole nother level of access point that people need this. They need this so desperately because I know that people are depraved and I know that there are women fighting this problem day in and day out, but there's so much shame around it. And it's shame, not just for the person walking through it. We wouldn't probably even look at it as shame. We would look at it as selfishness, right? Mm-hmm. Because it felt good and we're fine and we're whatever. Like something yeah. is owed to us. There's like all these weird mental things that transpire. But it's the people, it's the family who is shamed. But not my wife, mm-hmm. not my mom, not my, and my, my babies were little, so they didn't have the conceptualization of anything. But not my daughter, not my best friend, not my owner, not my business partner. Like all these thoughts of shame so no one goes anywhere and does anything. And they just hope and wish and enable. Yeah. Right. It's really, it's, it's evidence of the, the bystander effect. Like in yeah. front of you, this horrific thing is happening and everything in you is telling you do something, but you're paralyzed and you just stand there like, what do I do? Right. What do I do? And you hit the nail on the head with the shame. It's like, if I speak up on her behalf, now I'm revealing my shame. If I tell someone about this, now I'm exposing them to my shame. And even though this isn't mine, you are in, we've impacted our family in a way that this has now become part of their story too. Yep. And it was my daughter at one of my show rise events um, when she said, mom, is it okay if I speak? And I'm like, absolutely. And she's sharing about how much she has grown by coming to support me at the show rise events. And she's my right hand girl. Like I don't have to think about, I just, she's got it. She knows what to do. And she says, you know, I've been growing, I've been challenged. Like I'm seeing a difference in me. Like I'm standing up here speaking to you today. I used to hide behind my mom. Now I ask, can I step up and speak? And it's like, but one of the most profound things that she laid out that day was, and she was crying when she said, it's not just my mom's story. It's my story too. Yep. And I thought that broke me. That mm. broke me. Cause then it's like, Oh gosh, all these years, I think I'm hiding it. I'm doing such a great job. I'm like Pinterest mom. And you know, everybody's like, I'm hiding behind the blessings. I'm hiding yes. behind the thin figure. I'm hiding behind the big smile. I'm hiding behind the having it all together. This facade that nobody oh, can I raise my hands. Right. Right. I mean, if I was overweight, people may be like, mm, she's got something going on. But I choose, I chose an eating disorder. Yeah. I chose things that kept me in a, a certain look that people didn't want to dig. They didn't want to ask. And all of a sudden here she is. This is part of my story too. And that was profound. It wrecked me and it was profound. Yeah. And how old is she? She's now 27. She just turned 27. Wow. Well, first off, you do not look old enough to have a 27. (laughs) I was thinking you were going to say like 14, like 27. Um, That's incredible. And I, I am now similar to you building my life on this testimony because that rock foundation rather than rock bottom, because if you get to rock bottom, that's a beautiful place to be. And that's why I don't carry shame. There's no condemnation there. There's no judgment there. It's a place for you to rise as your business has been built off of that. And mine has been too. I think of it as a legacy business because it's something that truly is going to have generational impact and how people integrate and how our kiddos get to serve through it and become inside of it is pretty beautiful and magnificent. But it took your boldness that the Lord planted inside of you to say, okay, now you have to share your testimony. Now it's time to go. So talk about like the transition from this place of healthiness and wholeness to the emotion that you feel when you say, I'll never let leave a woman behind. Mm -hmm. Talk about the She'll Rise movement and what that has done and how you've kind of let that blossom as a business in this season. When I was 
active in my addiction, I was a business and executive coach and I was doing really great things. Ironically, working with hospitals and physicians and all these people that should have been like, Hey, are you on something? But, um, and I kept seeing that there was a need for something specific for women. So rise was born and rise at that point was focused on business women, career women, women who were working in male dominated industries and just needed to understand that they deserve to see at the table. You are worthy. Your voice does matter. There is value in who you are and what, what you represent. And you don't have to be flashy with your clothing and flirtatious and all of those things. And it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. But then fast forward, um, after the failed suicide attempt, in that moment when God reached down for my hand, that was when she'll rise was born. And the tagline is, if you believe in her, she'll rise. So now I wanted all women. I didn't care if you were a stay-at-home mom, if you were divorced 12 times, if you were an only child, I didn't care. I wanted all women and all of each of the women that came because I wanted them to experience this kind of wholeness, this kind of healing. And so I, we were on our way back from a family trip from Disney and I'm reading a book and I, you know, and I talk about this in my book, the Twizzler commercial where he's like, you know, just kind of like pondering and looking off. And he was like, why can't I wear white after Labor Day? And it was kind of like that for me. I was like, I want to start a book club. And my husband's like, do it. And I'm like, no, nobody will come. I'll put it out there. Nobody, I'm not even mm, not going to do it. And he kept encouraging me, start the book club. What's the worst that's going to happen? You put it out there, nobody comes, or you put it out there and people do come. Yeah. Well, in August, 23 women showed up that night. And remember, this was the first time that I stood in front of a group of people, raw, honest, unfiltered. I looked through them and shared my story. And then God said, make eye contact. And Mm. in that moment, so many strongholds were broken because the lies I believed were not supported. They were crushed. They didn't judge me. They didn't criticize me. They didn't have that look like of sin shock, like <gasps> on their face. What I saw were tears and emotion and, and submission and slouching and surrendering and me too. And all of a sudden it was like, okay. This is starting to make sense to me. All of that in this moment is starting to click. He's using it for his purpose. I've been anointed for this assignment. And even though I deviated from what he called me to do all those years, now he's going to use every bit of it in a way that I never could have impacted women. And because of that, women will say, because of your vulnerability, because of your story, because you've actually been there. That's what makes you and your program different. I can go anywhere and get therapy. I mean, there's thousands of them. So I have that training and education and certifications and degrees and all of that. But what I have that makes me different is a story of survival, a testimony that glorifies God in what is truly possible when you surrender and just relinquish the control that you thought you had so that you can invite him in and do the real work. And as a result, show rise became a movement and these gatherings and, you know, people say, I come here. I don't know what to expect. I'm crying. I don't know what happened. I'm looking and I feel changed and I don't know what this even was, but what's next. And I just, I get goosebumps. talking. I just, I love it. And initially I, I tried to, suppress Jesus in it, which mm-hmm. is what happened with rise. Like mm-hmm. God put it on my heart and I was doing it for him, but not with him. I didn't invite him into the process. Oh, I say, okay, what do I do with this? You asked me to do it. I'm doing it. How, what, why, when, where, what is the method? I just kept doing it this time. It's like, okay, this is yours. You show me the vision. You show me the way you put the message on my heart. You put the words on my tongue. I will speak what you give to me. And sometimes I am completely consumed by the Holy Spirit. I get to declaring stuff and, you know, emotion and hands. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. It's not me, but just keep going. Like, let's do this. And because of that passion for him, this passion for women has just 
it has erupted from the ashes in a way that my flesh could never comprehend, but it was in his plan. And women are believing in what it is I'm doing and saying, but more importantly, women are discovering who he is. Mm -hmm. And now I don't have to say because of Jesus or follow God. I just share my story and it's undeniable that he is part of it. Yeah. I'm here because of him. And that is what, ha- what helps them to see what's possible. And they just start to, to crave and thirst for more. And the only way to quench that is to go to the living well. And that living well is Jesus. And it just falls into place and come on girl. Come it's so on. good. It's so good. I've seen like some of the reels on the stage when you go into the, or the Holy spirit goes, you're just a vessel Ooh. at that point. And I'm like, yes, let's go. Yeah. It's so uh, empowering. And I think it's so connected to the title of your book, which is unsilenced and a huge part of surrender, a huge part of yielding to the Holy Spirit to be able to even do that is the fact that we have to unsilence ourselves. And society has done such a good job. Just like you said in that moment, every lie was destroyed when you spoke and you made eye contact. And so instead of you just speaking because you're yielding the Holy Spirit, you're actually connecting and the Holy Spirit is now penetrating those particular people that are in the room and that eye contact so matters for people. Otherwise they're not like you're, you weren't speaking. Who were you speaking to? Right. It's like, Oh, Oh, did you just read my mail? How long have you been following me? I mean, really, this is creepy, right? We are not so much different. We are so much more alike. And the struggles we go through are generationally compounding Mm -hmm. to look and act and become the same exact storyline because it's not, it's a people group. It's a nation of people who have experienced trauma after trauma, after trauma, after trauma that is compounded. And we carry such shame thinking it's our fault. And that's what keeps us silenced. And then people project, oh, it's Gen Z's fault for being this way. Oh, I'm a millennial. So everyone's like, oh, the millennials, right? Like you guys are terrible at working. You're terrible. at No, we're tired of being, we're tired of being silenced. Yeah. Right. And so talk to me about the revelation of the book, because I have so many authors as a publishing house that are like, I want to write a book. And I love this process. So talk about yours. Um, let me first say, don't ever attempt to say no to God because it's not going to go the way that you hope. So in November, which was the anniversary of my failed suicide attempt, God had put it on my heart, write a book, write your story. And I was like, yeah, no, not going to happen. Um, and I talk about in my book, I was, I struggled reading. I struggled comprehending. It was a huge battle for me. And I was labeled a below average reader. And I grew up a dancer. I don't need to read. I'm going to dance my entire life. Reading is stupid. Dancing is life. Do we need to do this? Fortunately, my mom knew that reading was important. And she went the extra mile, tutors, and and all that is in the book to get me to a point where just a few years later, I'm receiving an excellence in reading award. And I don't say things like that to impress people. I say it to impress upon you that it doesn't matter what the challenge or obstacle is you can overcome it. Yeah. Maybe a bloodbath to overcome it, but you can. And now here I am a published author. Like what? I mean, what? It's so cool. But I kept saying no. And he kept putting things on my heart. And then fast forward, here we are living in, in Southwest Florida. Things are blossoming and blooming and just tremendous joy and he basically said, now's the time. And I finally felt like, you know what? It is. It is. So I went to work. And it's been about a year now. Yep. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to write a book. Here it is. Yeah. Go buy it. No, it's it never process. is. It is a process. a process. Be ready. I think people think like it's like birthing, right? They don't think of it like birthing a baby. They're just like, oh yeah, I want to do this project. It'll be done. I was hoping it'd be out in like a couple months. I'm like, good luck. with. If you do that, awesome. Yeah. I'm not going to be your publisher, but you can do it yourself. Yeah, exactly. Be realistic. So I just started writing 
and I put everything out and it was messy and, and ugly and some stuff made sense and some stuff didn't. And, you know, recognizing my limitations, this isn't something I can do on my own. You know, there are people out there that will self-publish and they're successful and that's great. That's for you. For me, it wasn't. Things yep. make sense in my head. And when I see it on paper, it says what my heart is saying it should say, but somebody reads it and it doesn't make sense. What do you mean it doesn't make sense? So recognizing that I needed the appropriate support to work through that process. And I remember my editor, who was a man, came back with these words and I was like, oh my gosh, he gets it. Wow. Like you're not my ideal clientele. You're not the demographic that I'm speaking to. And here you are, like, I can relate to that. This makes sense. Wow. And now I understand better about these things and I can do these things different. It's like, wow. So the process is intense. It is laborious. It is tedious. You know, there were moments where, okay, this book is coming out in January. Okay, here we are, February. I had to take time away because I didn't want it to be forced. I didn't want to sit down and just throw up stuff on a manuscript to get the book out and then it be just this thing. Yeah. Because it really was meant to be this intimate creation. It was meant to be a true testimony to the glory of God. It was meant to be raw and real and unfiltered. Had I written it when God first asked, it would have been very different. Mm -hmm. And even still, there was a lot of insulating where, you know, let me, let me take this very deep, dark detail and pad it with all this other stuff. And the editor's like, no, we need to pull that out. Like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) That's sticky. That's, that's really scary because there's the fear. Okay. Well now it's in black and white. Somebody can hold it in their hands. But it's now to a point where, hey, if this book isn't for you, that's okay. But it is for so many women. And that's who I wrote for. I wrote it for Jesus. And I wrote it for the women that he's going to send it to, to be read. And when I was able to embrace that, then all of a sudden those fears started to drift away. Because now the truth, the light was far more overpowering than these little seeds of self-doubt yeah. saying, don't do it. They're going to judge you. Oh my gosh. When they read this and it's like, you know what? Now it's, it's the best version that it can yeah. be. Now it's ready for someone to, to read. So it's a process. It, it is. is. It is a process. It really <laughs> is. And you know, the more that you'll talk about it and the more things and opportunities that you'll have to share kind of those seeds of darkness, if we want to call them that, um, they're, they're no longer seeds cause they're not allowed to grow in Jesus name. Yeah. Um, but whatever we want to call them, those elements of, of past shame, I still on podcast today, after I've said it and had the book out for years, it's going to feel the same to you where like it, I still get that like rise up. And then I'm like, no, no, you're not going to come back today. And it's like, oh man, I'm like, "Uh, did I really just say that? Especially when I'm on a man's podcast. Right. And I'm like, oh, I just talked about sexual abuse, sexual trauma, sexual addiction, all these things that I walked through. And like, you can tell they're kind of like fidgeting in their seat and like, (laughs) I don't know what I'm supposed to say to this girl. (laughs) Right. And I'm just like, I know that their audience is men, which is, is not who the book is for. However, Mm -hmm. I've had such powerful testimonies that have come from men. And so I'm believing that while you keep saying women, you keep saying women, you keep saying women, (laughs) that God has already shown you with the editor that was chosen that this is going to impact so many more people than just women. And so it's going to be insane because I think about the fathers. I think about the brothers. I think about the, the the kids of the one who's walking through it. Their mom is walking through it. I know people like that. And I think what a seed of hope, because this is the seed. The seed is the light. The seed is the good stuff. The seed is the knowing that he is the, the hydration, as you said earlier. And so it's going to flourish in their life because you're gifting that element of hope, that moment where you realize 
she'll rise. You know, I believe in her enough and therefore she will rise and they, they can have that hope for themselves. I need that hope for myself, even in the, there needs to be a hill rise because I know a lot of guys (laughs) who are walking through this problem. I had a client who said like, really, there needs to be a hill rise. Can we make this happen? Because this is happening in my life and I need a hill rise. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. (laughs) Number two, third time's a charm. God, where are you at? (laughs) In time, in due time. Um, But I think it's, it's really critical and it's, it's a battle that's not going to go away because of what's happening in our culture. Um, So I just feel like it's such a critical time that this book is going to get into people's heads, hearts, and homes. And the bookshelves are going to need it. And it's going to completely consistently be filled with it because it's critical. And I'm I'm grateful to know you. I'm grateful to have been a part of it, even in the smallest Mm -hmm. sense, even just to have you on the podcast today is such an honor because your vulnerability just spews out because it's not, it doesn't probably even feel like vulnerability to you at this point. It just feels like a mission. And, and when it's coupled as vulnerability, it's Jesus, you know? And I love that part so much. I think too, Tamara, vulnerability for a long time to me meant weakness Mm. and it was scary. And that's what I've noticed with so many women. If I'm vulnerable, that means I'm weak. If I'm vulnerable, it means I'm not capable. If I'm vulnerable, it means I'm Mm. lacking. I'm not enough. Like it co-signs and reinforces the narrative of all those things that we believe. But vulnerability in the healthy sense is your ability to simply be authentic. Yeah. And what happens through trauma and and hurt and struggles and, and pain is we disassociate with the authentic self. The authentic self is who God created us to be. And all of a sudden something happens that we shut her out and we become the version that people need us to be. And when you embrace vulnerability for the truth of what it actually represents, then that authentic version of you gets to shine. You give her a voice. And then that is what just sheds unbelievable light in these dark crevices of the hearts and minds and souls of so many sisters because we're exhausted. Yeah, we are exhausted. I can't tell you how many times I go out with messy bun and no makeup and I don't give a darn. Yeah, I was raised. You don't go out like that. Right now. This is me. Yeah, I'm, I'm the friend. If you have a boogie, I'll get it. You got something in your teeth. I get it. You come I out and your, your skirts tucked in your pantyhose or there's toilet paper. I'm the girl that's going to say, yeah. come here, honey, let me help you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the girl that I am. I will straighten your crown. Yeah. I am there to support and encourage you. And it's because I'm okay with being authentic. I'm okay with being vulnerable. I don't want anything else. I want to be who Jesus has called me to be in every way, shape or form and just allow other women to see hey, it's okay. Not only is it okay, it's freaking spectacular. It's so freeing. I mean, it really is. <sighs> it, that's the one of the most, that's the flourishing element, right? When you flourish, it's like, you're not people pleasing anymore. You're not putting on a mask anymore. You don't have to dress up and be a robot. You don't have to, mm-hmm. you don't have to not speak and you get to speak. And there's just all these pieces of self that get to be explored. And I feel like flourishing is creative right? Yeah. It's oh. such a creative space. I think of, yeah. I think of dancing. I think of flowers. I think of all these things that are so creative that are flourishing and a life that's flourishing is not mundane. Uh, it's not every day is different. And still, even in that there's going to be storms, right? The fields yeah. of flowers still get rained on. <laughs> and yet the very next day, they're actually closer to the sun. They rise higher because yeah. they endured. Yeah. Right. And so she'll rise. Women are people who endure are women who endure and endurance is such a part of this. And I think as you were talking about vulnerability, I was thinking about vulnerability. Isn't just, it wasn't for me a light switch. It wasn't just like, Hey, let me teach you about vulnerability in this one hour webinar. And then you're going to have the best you know, opportunity to be vulnerable. Yeah. It is a muscle. Um, um, it's a muscle. It's something you have to consistently practice and build up. And Mm -hmm. in the seasons of heartache and heartbreak, where you're retreating from that particular exercise, you're going to have to work it out all over again, sister. It's going to have to happen. You're going to have to go back to the gym of vulnerability because you're going to have some other element of shame that has now come into your life because of what has happened based on said scenario. Yeah. 
it's it's just the way of the world. He yeah. carried our shame. He carried our burdens to the cross. And so we might have to show up there again, right? right. Likely it's going to happen. But you live in the resurrection power. And mm-hmm. therefore, it doesn't have to be the case. When hard, hard things come my way, there are lots of different ways I can respond. But for the most part, I have a pretty good boundary. There's yeah. a wall of like, is that for me? Okay. It's like one of those moats. I've got a moat around my life, right? I'm like, you guys come from here, go out. Like I see what you're trying to do, but I want to encourage people that vulnerability is a journey. And in that, I remember being vulnerable first, only before the Lord. Yeah. I then became vulnerable with a therapist. I did not first become vulnerable with my husband. Mm-hmm. I didn't even first become vulnerable with myself because I was still lying to myself. And so you have to know, and everybody's, that's not like a hierarchy or that like checkbox. That's not, that's not, everyone's journey is different, but it took me a long time to ever get to the point of saying, okay, I could bring 23 women together and say, let me share this thing. Some of my best friends didn't know about some of those details until my book came out and they were calling me like, does this mean this? Does this mean this? Does that, why didn't you call me? I couldn't. And so it's um, made us closer, but it's also made because I went through the vulnerability cycle, even with writing that now our relationships are cemented because I have released the shame. It's literally in a physical form and yours is too. It's in a physical form and it's like shame. You stay on that shelf right there, literally, because you're not welcome inside my heart anymore. And guess what? I'm writing another book right now. Guess why? Because I walk through more shame. Love that it. is not allowed in my heart. Not, not that I love that you walk through more shame. I know, I, I, know, I, know. You know, I don't have to wait X amount of years. I don't have to fight with God over this. Like, okay, shame, no. we got it. We're going to work. We're going, going to, to work. Use it. It's not, it's not for me to carry. It's not for me. It's for him. And it's for all of the people that we're meant to, to impact. And that's what I think writing a book is for ultimately. Um, there's so many reasons, but I really believe that it cements. It's what the word is about, right? Like that's why we have, and we're gifted the word. God could have not had a Holy Spirit drifted Bible. Like that could have not been the case, but he chose it for a reason. And so words do matter and yours matter. And that's why being unsilenced matters for every woman and man that's going to read mm-hmm. that book. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, so good. Well, sister, it's been such an honor having you on today. Is there anything else in your spirit that you're just like, I have to share this one last thing? I feel like God is telling me that there is one woman out there that this is resonated with in a way that she cannot hide from. It's okay to ask for help. I don't care who it is. Speak up, reach out because this can be the one decision that changes the trajectory of your life. You are not alone. And even if you drop to your knees and say, Jesus, I got nothing. I don't even know who you are, but they're speaking about him. Like I got nothing. Open your mouth, speak it. Because the longer you hold on to it, the more power it gains, the greater the hold the enemy can have. And he's only there to destroy. He's only there to destroy. So there is one woman who is like, they're speaking to me, embrace it, use your voice, speak up, because this is the moment where God has put on your heart. You are worthy of more. It is time for your wholeness and healing to be delivered. Let's do it. Let's do it. In Jesus name. Amen. That was a prayer right there. Come into that sisters. We love you. We thank you so much for being on the fit and faith podcast. I know my community is going to treasure this. Be sure to tag Melanie. You guys are going to have to get her book. It's coming out. What's the exact drop date? I believe it's going to be June 13th. Okay. June so 13th should be our drop date. Gotta get, that's very soon. You got to make sure you get on her mailing list. Follow her on IG. All the information will be everywhere. Um, you can get on her YouTube channel as well. And it's going to impress you and impa- impress in you, not impress you like, you know, uh, yeah. impress on you that you too can rise anytime, any day. Let's go sisters and brothers. Appreciate oh, you. You too. So good. Where are all my authors out or my wannabe authors, my wannabe best-selling authors. In fact, this can be you. 
And it doesn't have to look like my journey, which was a three-year writing journey and a multi-year understanding and unpacking the publishing industry and agents and Amazon and all the things that go into being an author that people don't think about. They just want to write the book, which I get. I, I want you to just write the book. But I want you to be equipped with the resources and the knowledge of what to do next so that the world can receive your message so that the world can learn from you because you are wise, my friend. I am certain of it. And what you have to share is rich, whether it's devotional, whether it's a children's book, whether it's a novel, whether it's a memoir, regardless of the genre, I want to equip you with the how-to and help you to stay accountable and execute. How do I do that? Well, besides having our publishing company, Fit Press, and giving you the resources to distribute it, not just on Amazon, but to the world in book format at bookstores. Yes, I love things that I can hold in person. Also, it's through a book writing retreat. It's to get you going. It's to get you in flow. It's to teach you the rhythm of a writer and to give you specific resources and training on how to keep moving the needle after you leave this two and a half day dynamic experience. It's a space that is open and vulnerable. It's a space where you have time to actually sit and write. You will get spoiled in the process because I think authors need just the right environment of relaxation and energy connected to that. So if you're interested in being a part of the book writing journey with us as a Fit Press company, we'd love to have you come. You can check it out on the website. But all of the details are there. It does not include flights, um, but it could include accommodations if it's something that you want to stay with us rather than staying in the comfort of your own space. I get it either way. Totally fine. But let's have a conversation. You can book a call on our site and our team will have a direct conversation about where you are in your writer's journey as well as where you want to be. The cool thing about our publishing house is that it doesn't take as long as most, and we can give you all the reasons why that is, Uh, but ultimately, I want you to have access to the rules, the regulations, the rhythms, and the outcome factor, which is you being that best-selling author that you really want to be, and I know it's with good intent and in humility that you want to have this experience and this exposure, so... No, no judgment here. I'm a three-time best-selling author and I love it. I want to say five. I want to say 10. I want to say like John Maxwell. I want to say I'm 80K or 80, 80 books and counting, right? Whatever it be, we want you to be heard and read. Well read. All right. So let's do this. Bye. Let's get to writing. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.